This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air. Good day, my name is Elizabeth Conrad, and you're listening to Hold That Thought, a show about breaking down some of the myths around psychology, human psyche, our own experience. So quick disclaimer, as always, this show is representative of my views only, so I don't represent the views of any organization, clinic, medical practice, local choir, I'm a soprano if anyone needs me. Also, this show is not meant to serve as therapy or treatment in any capacity, And if you feel like you need help and support, please contact your local GP or call the mental health emergency line at 0800-112-334. Cool. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about some of the societal myths we have around the construct of gender. And I'm going to be having my first guest on today's episode. I'm super excited. I still have lots to learn on this topic. So I have brought in someone um, with much more experience than myself. My guest today, her name is Sarah Sievert. She has an undergraduate degree from Loyola University in Spanish. She's bilingual. She also has a master's degree in education from DePaul University in Chicago, and she recently earned her fast-track master's from Northwestern University, which is an incredible and very um, laborious program. So she also happens to be an amazing artist, a writer, a mother of three, and as a side note, she's also my sibling. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. This is really fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's so nice to have you on. So yeah, so thank you for helping me out with this. I So on this show, basically, we just kind of talk about, as I said, some of the myths around how we operate in our day-to-day. And what's becoming more publicly known and talked about and part of the discussion in schools and and across the board is breaking down some of the myths and societal expectations around gender. And so I want you, if you can, just sort of, if you don't mind, give you a little bit of background, or I gave a little bit of background about you. But what I'd like, uh, just tell me a little bit about um, your experience in as a clinician, particularly in studying or working with LGBTQIA populations, or just basic background stuff, kind of what sparked your interest? Um, what, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'll turn it over from there. Okay, yeah, basic background interest. To be honest, I didn't have an interest. I had a bunch of friends and was easy to relate to a bunch of people that fit into the non-binary category, Um, but I didn't have that realization until I was in grad school and was um, being asked to examine some of my own beliefs and biases around a bunch of different topics, one of them being gender um, and sexuality. And so that's how I gained more clarity and had kind of an aha moment of, um, wow, I guess I've never really thought about how to describe this, but um, but this is what feels like a fit for me. So I started to get more interested and then um, clinically just became much more of an advocate. And now I work with um, a variety of different people with backgrounds, um, but particularly those suffering from anxiety and depression. 
related to gender stuff because it's so much more prevalent um, and the risk is so much higher for those that fall into that category. Mm, Okay. Yeah. So two things there. One is sort of the personal journey that you've had and the other is how that's evolved into your professional work. So if you're comfortable, do you mind talking a little bit about, you said it was kind of more comfortable for you to identify with the non-binary community. Were there things that stuck out to you in the discussions or language that, that you had or anything that you want to share about your experience in coming to that realization? Um, sure. I guess it really was an exploration around um, language mm-hmm. and having done an undergrad in another language as an attempt to really understand um, and bridge culture. Um, It was kind of another language learning lesson. Um, So getting familiar with lots of different terms, what the LGBTQIA and all the other letters actually stand for. Mm -hmm. Um, And then how people really take that into into their being and what kept popping up over and over was um, just kind of the heteronormative box Mm. that a lot of us are placed in and stand there um, for long periods of time or are squished and trampled trying to get out. Um, So it's, it's been, it's been a journey in language really. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The meaning behind the words. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, and it's particularly interesting with Spanish where you have that, in some ways, binary dimension around, like, the feminine and masculine, uh, what do you call those, you know, la or el. Pronouns, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah interesting. Um, and then, so, obviously, a personal meaning for you took uh, even greater meaning in your clinical work and working with people who are going on similar journeys and, as you said, are at much greater risk for mm-hmm. depression, anxiety. Um, I understand higher risk for suicide as well. Yeah, the suicide rates alone. I mean, um, anybody who identifies in this category um, is four times as likely statistically and 40% of transgender people have attempted suicide mm. compared to 5% of the general at least U.S. population. Mm. Um, And it's also associated with homelessness and substance use disorders. LGB are two times as likely and trans are four times as likely. Um, But that all stems from some of the trauma that results and the rejection. I mean, kids are coming out at a much earlier age now, which is a great opportunity for support, but it's also a great opportunity for a lack of support. Um, so 86% of adolescents report being bullied or harassed or assaulted in in their school setting um, in the U.S. So mm. I wish I knew more about what was happening um, all over the world, but that's where I'm right now. No, yeah, no, it's similar discussions here. I was reading a recent article that was kind of a criticism, actually, as you mentioned, people who are coming out younger and younger. Um and the uh, the 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 bulk of the earlier uh, individuals who are coming out happen to be who identify as non-binary happen to be especially in the trans community, you know, biologically female who 
then come out as trans male. And I found this particular, and this is regarding the New Zealand population, but also mostly uh, some of the schools in the U.S., and th- there were this, I wish I could recall the, the name of the author. But anyway, the content of the article is basically that there was a sort of this concern about young children or adolescents coming out sooner and sooner because it's trendy. And yeah, and and particularly given that we also struggle not only with sort of the heteronormative box, but within that, or on top of that, or around that, whatever, there's also sort of the, you know, the, obviously, there's a, a patriarchy that that kind of perme- permeates the different aspects of society. So, um, so this article is basically mm-hmm. saying that young girls are coming out to be men, partly because it's trendy, trendy and partly because it's easier to be seen as a guy, even if they don't necessarily feel that way. So I'm just, I was just curious, what would you, I mean, just internally, how do you react to that? Um as a member of the community, yeah. yeah, what would you say to those criticisms? Um, yeah, lots of different kind of thoughts and um, ideas around that. <laughs> I, when you said the patriarchy, I immediately thought of Emily and Amelia Nagoski, um, who both have their doctorates in different things, one in music and one in psychology, I believe. Um, but they, in their book Burnout, talk about... Um, the patriarchy, and then in parentheses, ugh. And they do a beautiful job of really kind of laying out the behind the scenes of the question that often pops up, like, wait a second, um, what about this structure? Um, What about it matches me? What about it doesn't match um, me? How have I internalized some of the things? What am I aware of? What can I not even see about these structures? Um, and so it's it's an important question to ask, um, and the layers beyond that box are deep um, and and have far-reaching impact. Uh, particularly, I mean, there are stats all around kind of cisgender, um, heteronormative workplaces, just statistically to the dollar. Um, you know, women, cisgender women making 81 cents to to the dollar or, um, and then it just keeps decreasing. Um, you know, you add color and mm. that mm. number goes down. Mm. So it's like 65%, 65 cents to the dollar um, for women of color. And then the, the opportunity that young girls are seeing as, hmm, you know, like, that's that's all I that's all I have access to. <laughs> mm. um, I guess is the question that pops up, and so wanting that um, equality in a in a world that's really power over uh, and made to be that way. So it's it's very challenging, mm. um, and I I understand, you know, from that personal perspective, what it's like to try on a different identity. Yeah. And have you found that trying on a different identity sort of adds another layer of discrimination to to when you interact with people? So you're, you know, not, not necessarily identifying as cisgender. And just to clarify for listeners, because this is, it's a new, you know, there's new terminology and it's, we're all learning. 
So as I understand mm-hmm. it, cisgender just means that there's a congruency between your biological gender and the gender with which you identify. So I, as an example, yeah. would be a cisgender female born biologically female and identify as female. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And then your pronouns would be her, um, she. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then someone who is non-binary um, would use pronouns they, them. Or it depends. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, non-binary can um, it can also be referred to as gender queer, um, mm-hmm. but it's basically either not identifying or identifying as both or a combination. Um, and so instead of thinking of it as a line, thinking of it as a as a wheel. And actually, there's a wonderful book called The Gender Wheel, um, and it's by Maya Gonzalez. And um, Maya talks about the, the many different rings that are in this wheel. Um, and so that encourages even more kind of expansive thought um, mm-hmm. and deepens the invitation for belonging. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's hard to identify. Indigenous cultures, um, I mean, they really had it beat out of them, but the, the way they identified as two-spirit um, it was kind of like a, a way to describe a third gender without it being only a third. It was just a way to open the door to all of these other possibilities. Mm. Um, and I want to clarify, um, Two-Spirit is really particular to Indigenous populations. I wouldn't identify as a Two-Spirit person unless I also identified as an Indigenous person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that yeah. you brought that up. Just the other day I was at... A, you know, a local health center, local health center, and my husband picked up a packet that both he and I found interesting about um, the, uh, the Maori population in New Zealand and how over time the, the, the Maori population originally used to have language for non-binary or non-heteronormative, and how that over time, you know, through colonization has been um, trained out of them, you know. Um, forced out of their lexicon and how those mm-hmm. constructs don't exist when that was actually an inherent part of their language initially. So it's just, yeah, it's interesting mm-hmm. um, to hear you say that as well. Um, yeah. And thinking yeah. about, yeah, yeah. And thinking about the page. Um, yeah, go ahead. You know, the, those constructs, if they're left at boy and girl, it meant everything about a person, how their body looked on the outside, how they felt about it on the inside. Um, and really those supposed tos, those shoulds of how we're supposed to act in order to belong. Mm. Um, so it gets at the very core of our oldest human need mm. um, for inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, just as a, as a personal example, my, my husband and I had the conversation beforehand when we were pregnant, you know, how do you want to do a, a gender reveal? And Greg and I said, well, we, you know, we, we could consider doing a sex reveal. And people kind of rolled their eyes when we said, you know, we don't necessarily want to have a gender reveal. Not just for the reason of like, you know, the U.S. starting forest fires and things like that with gigantic gender reveal parties. But that's a that's a whole another thing. But just, you know, not making that determination ahead of time. And I was having a conversation with our brother and our mother. 
And they were saying, you know, you can try all you want. You can give your little girl trucks and you can give your little boy dolls, but they're not, you know, you'll see, you'll see what happens. And Mike said, I gave, um, Mike is our brother. Um, I gave, um, my, my girls tools and I took them sailing and I, and you know, and they just, they had no interest no matter how hard I tried. So I asked him, I was like, well, a, how hard did you try? Did you, did you try a little too hard? And two, what was their mother doing? You know, like that's, that's a part of it too, is how they see themselves identified and then how they see their role models identified as well and kind of carrying out those gender roles. And their mother is absolutely wonderful, but she doesn't necessarily sail all the time or frequent the tool bench, you know? So just kind of interesting how those expectations play out. Yeah. And that is, um, that speaks volumes to the isolation or feeling of isolation. Um, when that community, when we don't know, A, we're part of that community or could be, because um, we're in the Q part, questioning, Q mm. can be questioning or queer. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's, that stage alone, there are lots of stages to this, um, you know, to coming out and rejection and other, other pieces um, as we get closer to knowing, you know, what matches our true essential self. Um, but when we don't see it modeled in the world, it has really enormous effects. To give an example, um, I think it was in 95, 1995, TV was brought to an island, um, and it was just U.S. and I think Great Britain. Those were the shows that were on this island that previously hadn't seen television. And within months, all of a sudden, an issue that had never existed, eating disorders, started to pop up mm-hmm. all over the place mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the, the ideal was projected and in order to have worse, you needed to meet the ideal and that happens in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah. And it's, it's, and it's not, um, specific to any, you know, socioeconomic group or racial group or religious group. I mean, you know, um, not, as you mentioned, this example of eating disorders, you know, just on a personal note, I, I struggled with an eating disorder in my early twenties and, um, and I was, you know, it's really hard to escape those pressures and, and there are obviously other components to them, but um, seeing that that ideal modeled is it has a huge impact. And um, and I think this just the recent success of um, of having the non-binary or non-heteronorm, you know, the outside of the heteronormative box um, modeled on a TV show. Do you know the show Shit's Creek? Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. I've seen, yeah, probably, I don't know, maybe six episodes. Mm, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a huge success. I think it won, I know it won at least four Emmys. Is that what it is? I don't know, four great TV awards, whatever. And, four gold bronze stars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish I knew it's over. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Good job, TV stars. But, um, but the uh, the creator and one of the stars of it, Daniel Levy, was speaking about how the tremendous personal impact that it has had to have a gigantic billboard of the show's two characters who are who happen to be um, both 
um, biologically male as a couple, just, you know, kind of displayed in Times Square amongst, amongst all these other posters and billboards and things like that as a normal thing. And how so many people have reached out to him, telling him the impact that, you know, it, the show wasn't about non-heteronormative life. It was just, it was the, really integrated into the show. And they even, there was even an episode where the, um, the main characters, um, they identified as boyfriends. The main character's boyfriend, uh, did not tell, had not told his parents that he was with another man. And the parents were asking, um, the boyfriend, well, what did we do wrong? And of course you think like, oh, they're asking, what did we do wrong that he turned out to be not heterosexual when they were actually asking, well, what did he, what did we do wrong as parents that he didn't feel comfortable telling us? And, um, mm. And I thought that was really, you know, I, I, very impactful, could be very impactful on somebody who themselves is going through that struggle. And, and yeah, that it's not always about the battle of the, the person who isn't fitting into the box, that a, a lot of times it's the battle of managing life with, with people around them. And- Absolutely, and choosing how to, how to negotiate that. I mean, a lot of people ask, um, you know, or don't know how to ask, um, and I'm still on this learning curve. You know how do how do we talk about this? What does this conversation look like? Um, what are the polite ways to ask? And um, a lot of it is just extending simple um, courtesies now, like introducing yourself and your pronouns. Uh, people put that on, um, you know, media platforms a lot of the time when they have to display their name and a meeting or something, mm. uh, thinking of Zoom. Uh, or when you meet someone, you know, saying, hi, you know, my name is Sarah and I identify as she, they. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not expecting the other person to identify. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, the, the A, part one of the A's is ally in LGBTQIA. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's a big role, taking taking time to think about how your identity is, in a way, conforming. What what are the blind spots that we have when mm-hmm. we go into conversations, when we're thinking about culture? How do we increase our inclusivity um, just in our day-to-day engagements with people, which can be as simple as introducing, introducing ourselves? Um, mm-hmm. It opens up the conversation a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I'm so glad that you brought that up as well because falling into that ally category, it's um, yeah, it's you know, it, it it is a learning curve, and I think it's natural to feel a little bit nervous, but it's important to to not necessarily fall back behind the privilege of nervousness. And to say, you know what, even though I might be nervous about asking, or I might be uncomfortable in this situation where I'm encountering something that I don't know or that I'm not familiar with, I need to put it out there and I need to make it part of the conversation. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah. if you're not nervous, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. not exploring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just part because that, that uncomfortable piece, it's there for a reason. It's there to, um, it's there to get curious about really, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, and that curiosity can open a lot of a lot of things. I mean, it's the difference. I love the analogy of um, 
the kind of the conveyor belt. Like think of an airport. Um, you know, people are walking through. You can put a lot of isms on this. Um, you know, race, gender, all, all age, disability. Um, but everybody's kind of going along on this conveyor belt in this one direction that's predetermined by the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. And if they're walking in the direction that's actively anti, anti-racist, anti-whatever the, the qualifier is, um, and to, to just be standing still means that you're still moving and not really helping. Mm-hmm. That's, that's um, n- not quite enough. <laughs> so in order to be anti, you really have to turn around in the other direction, which is really um, not easy to do a lot of the time. And, and then you have to remove the obstacles for the people that are already going in that other direction um, so that they can have a chance, um, mm-hmm. you know, being a privileged person. That's my, that's my duty um, to mm-hmm. turn around and in my workplace say, mm-hmm. hey, look, you know, there's one person in this room that identifies as um, not heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's one black person in this room and really allowing those people to speak first, being very aware of um, whose voice is going in the circle at what time. Mm-hmm. And so it's about giving voice to a lot of um, a lot of people that don't have easy access to it, including those. I mean, talk about you know access. A lot of LGBTQIA issues um, are focused around healthcare and lack of access to it. Definitely, um, and you know, I'm so sorry, COVID. Sarah. Yeah, no, I'm so sorry. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm. We're actually out of time. I. I desperately want to continue this conversation. Yes. No, I'm so sorry. So I can, I would love to have you on and you mentioned your colleague Kelly as well. Um, so next time that we, we get to uh, that, yeah, we can have you back if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, yes. Thank you so much. I just have to give a big thank you to all the resources today. You know, your personal journey, your expertise. I'm so grateful to you for bringing the, this conversation forward in a really open and non-judgmental way. So I, um, yeah, I'll, I'll call you later. <laughs> we'll we'll <Okay>. follow up. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming Sounds on, Sarah. Good. All right. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye. This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air.